0: and welcome to the week 14 edition of the Lions Mega pod it is matt brown it is steven anders it is adam candy we're going to go through each and every game give you the bets in our accounts give you the liens that we have and if we hate a game we'll let you know about that too yes there is nfl going on this week i know you only want to know where shohei otani is going to play baseball but guess what we're going to uh, go ahead and talk the nfl here in week 14 anyway and let's go ahead and and get things going guys i mean not a ton to take from thursday night i think the big takeaway here is we have been jumping up and down saying that these steelers were not a very good football team and it was eventually going to come back and haunt them and it finally has here in the last few weeks i don't think this was really shocking to anybody out there so we will continue on they lost a game with mr biscuit quarterback they're just not very good so we'll uh we'll, we'll kind of talk about that maybe as we head into next week whether we want to start to fade them in some other fashion or uh, something like that. All right. Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. This is five, five and a half in favor of the Saints at home. 37 and a half to 38 is your total. Everything is pointing towards Jameis Winston for the Saints. Carolina Panthers do not look like they can win a football game in the NFL. And that's a good thing for the Chicago Bears in the driver's seat for the number one overall pick. Adam, I'll start with you here. If the Panthers couldn't pull it out the last couple of weeks, I just don't know if they're going to be able to pull it out. Now, I understand they don't have to win out, right? They just got to keep it within five and a half points. But you look and, man, it was like weaker opponents than the Saints, and these teams were handing it to them. They were just like, here, please take it. Please, please win this game. The Bucks, here, take this. Here, Titans said, here, win. They wouldn't do it. And here come the now they're going on the road to the Saints and yeah I get it it's Jameis but Jameis actually introduces a little bit of variance into this game which I think sure could play against them but also go play for them to where like the Saints like win this at at margin.
1: I'm gonna give you my counterpoint here and it's a lean not a play but uh, you know how on inside the NBA at the beginning of every season they like to play who he play for with Charles Barkley. And they asked Charles Barkley, hey, they give him a guy, a random player at the end of a bench, who he play for. And Charles almost never gets any of them right. Uh, This week with the New Orleans Saints, we're going to play who he throw to, because there is no one left for the New Orleans Saints to catch passes unless they get some very positive injury news on Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed because they're already without Michael Thomas. And... I'm not quite sure who there's going to be for Jameis Winston to be able to throw those touchdowns and or interceptions in the direction of. Now, on the other side of this, Carolina continues to get healthier on the defensive side of the ball. And that's really where you have to look at if you believe in Carolina at all this week. I kind of wish I had gotten the six or six and a half when it was still on the board. I actually would kind of like that with Carolina based on what's left for the New Orleans Saints coming into this game because even in those games where the Carolina Panthers weren't, as you said, able to take games that were being given to them, they have been able to keep some of those games somewhat close against lesser opponents. And I do think it's possible that this plays as a field goal game. So I think it's possible for for a lot of different things to happen in this game. However, if you made me play it and I'm not playing it, I would probably play Carolina plus the points just because of the fact that when you look at New Orleans, the variance you have on offense, as you mentioned, but also defensively, advanced metrics past month, they've been 31st in the league with only Washington below them to the past. They have been 31st in the league with only Detroit below them. And Carolina has actually graded out better as a football team over the last month than the New Orleans Saints have. And in that case, I'm looking at it. And I'm getting points with Carolina. Where is Jameis Winston significantly better than Bryce Young? Depends on the week. Depends on what you get out of Jameis. So, no play, lean Carolina on the points.
0: Yeah. Um, very good. It's going to be a big injury report. Unfortunately, not out right now for the Saints as we record this. Olave did miss practice on Thursday, but it was with an illness, not from the concussion stuff. So, we'll see if he's able to get back out there. It's weird to say this, but honestly, guys, for the Saints team, And Steven, I, you guys know I've clowned on this for the last several years here on this podcast, but Taysom Hill, maybe being out is actually a thing for the saints. Like he is weirdly effective for the way that they use him. And he DMP'd the last two practices. We need to see what happens on Friday and see what his official status is. but. Uh, again, nothing's in my account quite yet. Injury report on the Saints, very big in this one, in my personal opinion. Olave would have to be going. I think Taysom Hill would at least need the chance to go
2: for me to even consider the Saints. What say you, Steven? I'm glad you brought up Taysom Hill because if you didn't, I was going to. Because if, if for those that were following this team for most of the year, they were so bad in the red zone, like putridly bad. I don't even know if that's a word, but that's how bad it was. It, it is, is now. How, I'm making up words. That's how it bad is now.
0: The, of the offense was. I love
2: it. <laughs> so on the season, they're like well below 50 percent on their red zone touchdown rate, but over the past few weeks, they're at near 55 percent. That was Taysom Hill. They're bringing him in for the most part. He was unstoppable near the goal line because he's just such a you know big hunky BYU of a man, and if they don't have him their red zone issues are, are an issue. And, and now you have Jameis Winston, like the, the play-by-play guy last week, Joe Davis, like screamed at the top of his lungs on that tip pass that should have been picked, turned into a touchdown. The Jameis Winston experience. Like that is exactly what Winston is. You just, you could get the high of highs because he's just, you know, his ceilings higher than David cars or D- David cars, Derek cars, but his floor it's is higher so than David's much lower too. because, yeah, well, yeah. I have David on the mind after his ludicrous comments this week about Jalen yes, Hurts yes. and Marcus Mariota, but um, but yeah, it, it's just there's so much variance in this game, and I almost care more about Taysom Hill than I do Rashid Shaheed. So I I would need more Panthers money to come in here for me to consider New Orleans, and if we get that, then I'll reassess it. But at this number and with how bad the Panthers have been. I just I can't do it. This is still a Saints team based on closing numbers was ten and a half at home against Begent and the Bears. If you flipped home field against the Vikings, it was implying that they were you know uh six six and a half against Minnesota a few weeks ago in the superdome so i s this is this is um it's just just right in the middle of me not wanting to do anything
0: yeah Adam I agree like six six and a half would be would be panthers under the six It's just kind of a whatever sit back and watch for situation yeah for me. and and um, you know what
1: it, sorry matt if you want that six yeah. six and a half wait for this injury report to come out and see which way it goes because i don't think you're going to see a whole lot more move down i don't think anyone's running to the window to take a dead five and a half with the panthers right but if you do get some yeah. positive news on the saints depending on which positive news it is and how you feel about it it probably goes back the other way
0: Los Angeles Rams at the Baltimore Ravens. This is seven and a half in favor of the Ravens at home. 40, 40 and a half is the total. Pretty much 40, though, across the board. There was some panic yesterday. Lamar Jackson didn't practice. Back at practice on Friday. All is good in the world. Don't worry about anything. So he is going to go here. And, Stephen, I look at this, and now that I know, because I I, I, I pump fake just a little bit, uh, you know, because it was, like, close to getting my count, then the whole... Oh, uh, Lamar might not, you know, Lamar missed practice. It was just kind of weird. It was the first practice he's missed all season, which is also was weird to me with, with all of that. So I did not put the Ravens teaser leg in my account. This Rams defense has been weirdly good over the last little bit of the season, which is weird because, and I say weird because they don't have any players. Like they don't have any good guys outside of Donald, but they've been fairly efficient. That said Ravens out of a buy should be able to just kind of run over this this team if it came down to it. I don't know if I'm
2: laying the seven and a half, but I think a, a point and a half down in a teaser leg feels pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm on the other side here, and I, I want to first start with the weather because it's the time of year where we need to be aware of that, and all of the weather that we thought was going to be affecting the games in the Midwest at the beginning of the week – now is being forecast to affect some of the Northeast games. And just looking at the forecast now for Baltimore for Sunday, one o'clock kickoff, locally heavy rainfall possible sustained winds around 15 miles per hour. It's actually going to be a pretty warm day, unseasonably warm, but if we're getting rain and wind and heavy rain, in a game with a low total that makes taking this many points above a touchdown, pretty attractive to me for the LA Rams. I talked about last week, I wasn't quite ready to, to back the Rams yet because I wanted to see how they did against their respected defense with Kyron Williams back. And they, they passed with flying colors to me. And if you look at, if you look at the splits of the Rams offense, when Kyron Williams is on the field this year, Matthew Stafford, is being ranked in the advanced metrics right around where Lamar Jackson is so far this year. The, the Ravens offense for the most part this season has a profile more like the Baltimore offenses we've seen in recent years where they're very run heavy. They are very mediocre in the past game in terms of success rate and EPA, but they're doing extremely well in the run game. So this is not the spread them out, throw the ball over the field offense that we expected. Now Mark Andrews is out for the foreseeable future Odell Beckham's banged up every other week. It's going to be the same thing. So I I just think this is going to be a slog in the rain. And I'm, I'm just not interested in, in backing a team with this big of a spread. um, Who's, who's trying to maybe recreate their offense at this point, having lost their top target. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I guess my
0: counterpoint to that would be is if we're not, if we're not passing it because of the weather, then doesn't that lean more towards Baltimore, who has the number one rush offense in all of the NFL? I, I mean, just get, just kind of playing the the other side That's of fair. all this. The run defense for the Rams, twentieth in EPA allowed, they're twenty first according to DVOA. So I mean, we're talking in like bottom third as far as run defense for the Rams. If we're if we're talking about the weather forcing the teams to run more, I would probably give the nod to Baltimore. But I mean, certainly the Rams have been running efficiently with with Kyron
1: Williams. Um, Adam, what do you see here in this one? You know, if you go and take a closer look at this, it's going to definitely make me feel better on the Ram side of it than on the Baltimore side of it. And that's largely based on number. And I heard Steven say a minute ago, I'm on the other side of this. I don't know that you're necessarily on the other side of it because with a total yeah, of 40, it, right? If he's going to tease this down, Matt wants this in a teaser and you want to take more than a touchdown. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I I do not see a script here where Baltimore is going to blow the Rams off the field, given what we've seen out of the Rams in the past month. The game against Dallas was a terrible game script for the Rams. If you're going to use how have they done against a quality opponent as your guide for what to do with this team. They ended up with defensive touchdowns go against them. They're chasing from behind. They weren't totally healthy. I don't think that game is a good guide. I do think that what the Rams are right now is a team that can probably keep this within a touchdown. Uh, I do think that they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit. And I do have concerns about the Ravens offense. I hear everything that Matt's saying, and I think that playing it under a field goal, especially if you're going to take the factors that Steven's putting out there with the weather and say, is this game going to be a sloggy run heavy kind of game? Yeah. Then I think that both of you are probably in the right place with trying to get this thing inside of a touchdown, right? One and a half on that teaser or seven and a half on the line.
0: Yeah, I think what we're, I I think what it all comes down to it for me is there is a little bit of noise in the Rams here over the last month, in my personal opinion. If you watch that game against the Browns, it was 20 to 19. The Browns had the ball like going to, like going to get up in the game late in the game, whenever Flacco threw the the interception, and it kind of like at that point flipped the the way that that game went down. I think that was a very misleading score in that game. I don't know. I'm just not as high on the Rams I think as a lot of people are here of late. But um, seven, you're on the other side of a touchdown. You can't really ever go wrong in the NFL saying that you're you're going to take the other side of a touchdown. It's just a a lot of points to cover. Indianapolis Colts and the Cincinnati Bengals. This is two. At home in favor of Cincinnati, 43 and to 44 is your total. Adam, this was one of those games where everybody's freaking out about the weather and, um, you know, again, guys, this is one thing I will say about, about weather in general. I'm not saying ignore weather. I am saying start paying attention to weather like Wednesday, Thursday, not Monday, Sunday, Monday, the week before, because weather changes. And if you are a, if you're putting down money based off of a weather report, that is a full week in advance. I'm not going to say you're always on the wrong side of it because you're definitely not, but you're going to end up being on the wrong side of it more than you would like. And so this number, the total got beat down and then now it's back up and everyone was freaking out about what was going on in Cincinnati. Not going to be the case. Um, We see a good game out of, uh, out of Cincinnati last week and kind of took everybody by surprise. Do we see a repeat performance here, or does Indianapolis have just enough to kind of overcome the deficiencies we've seen from Cincinnati on the defensive side of the ball?
2: Uh, I'll start here. I think. Um, I, I'm sorry. Did you toss to Adam? I yeah. Thought I you did. Tossed, I'm sorry. I'm, first time I've ever done that in the show, and I apologize. Hey,
0: it's fine. You weren't paying attention. You were trying to sit there and think about what you wanted to say. Like you were. You were. You were. You were for, formulating your it. opinion. Yeah. your Yeah, your opinion. <laughs> Everything I said just like went down, like in one ear, out the. It's fine. Steven, take it. Go ahead, buddy. Go ahead and roll with it. It's fine. Adam gets to go twice in a row, though, Next on this next one. So go. <laughs>
2: I can't believe I just did that. I'm sorry, Adam. It's, it's fine. Oh, God. Great holiday go. spirit I have. All right. Yeah. Uh, over 43 here was my bet. I, I got it before it started moving back up even further. You know, weather beat it down to 39 and a half early in the week. To your point, things change. 43 was about what the look ahead was and then where it opened up before the weather started beating it down. So, you know, that that was solid for me. And to me, it's, it's about the Cincinnati Bengals. Their defense is horrible. They are 26 by EPA, 27th by DVOA, number 31 by success rate. And they're just... They're a dead over team, especially if Jake Brown's going to show what he did last week. On top of that, I think Shane Steichen has done a phenomenal job here over the course of the season, despite having Gardner Minshew. I think it's why he steadily moved up the NFL Coach of the Year rankings. And they have been a dead over team, too. Eight of their 12 games have gone for 47 plus points. And one of those was the first Titans game where we talked about last week, where they had miserable red zone luck going two for nine second meeting sales over the total even if you take away the two block punts so he's getting more out of Gardner Minshew than most of us expected and I I think that's because of a 69 percent expected completion percentage Steichen is scheming it up where this team can still score points and move the ball despite Gardner Minshew being at quarterback and his high turnover worthy play rate so um, I think this screams over now that we have an improved forecast and um, you know that's that's I'm more comfortable with that than I am either side in this game.
0: Adam, whenever he, whenever he took your, uh, your, your thing, I wanted, I needed this on, I mean, like I need I needed this like ready to just fire as soon as it was ready to get a little sad trombone that, that he stepped on everything right there. So you heard my, you heard my setup. So I'll leave you with that. Also, you can answer the question where, where is Joe Burrow going to play next year? Because obviously he's getting Wally pipped right here.
1: I'm sorry. Did you guys need me to talk about something? I thought you had everything covered. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you got last week a 99th percentile performance out of Jake Browning, and everyone has run to the window to say, see, he's not that bad. Well, okay. All right. Do it again. All right. uh, Do it again. I'm not going to be involved in trying to handicap Jake Browning. Is he good? And Gardner Minshew When does the bad really show up? Because as Steven mentioned, he is not only a turnover-worthy play machine. He is a turnover-worthy play machine at a rate that only Mac Jones and Sam Howell have been able to match thus far this year. You saw what happened with Minnesota and Chicago when someone whose turnover-worthy plays have been skating by finally pop up in the same game. Because Josh Dobbs has been in the same spot. He's right below Gardner Minshew in terms of amount of turnover-worthy plays. And when they all came home to roost in one game, the Chicago Bears won a game they had no business winning without an offensive touchdown. So, you're asking me to handicap Jake Browning and Gardner Minshew and what's going to happen in an extremely high-variance game. It is a pass for me.
0: I think one thing here, Stephen, that does lend towards the over, like you said, is just there are there are bad defenses at play here. And there are also explosive play guys on both sides of the ball. So it's kind of like Browning doesn't even have to be efficient. We saw this last week with Jamar chase, where it's like, you don't even have to, although uh, listen, don't make Browning was efficient. I'm saying, but he didn't, he doesn't have to be efficient when you have a dude that can like get behind a defense by three yards and then take it 70 yards. I mean, like it, it's one of those things where there, there are offensive players on both sides of the ball Downs and Pittman on the other side of the ball as well, in which it, it, you can have like a 58% passing day and this still get over the 43, 43 and a half that is available out there because I, my guess would be, we have at least one explosive play touchdown that goes like for 40
2: plus yards in this game. Like that just seems to be the nature of both of these teams. And as Adam has mentioned in previous shows, when you have quarterbacks like this, turnovers could lend to hitting the over as well. We saw that on Thursday night in a game with a total of 30, a couple of turnovers in the wrong spot of the field, made it easier to score. And we sailed over the total by halftime. So um, I think that's a factor here as well.
0: All right. This one's going to be tough. Jags and the Browns. This is three in favor of the Browns at home. 32 and a half is your total. This just came through as we were recording this, that uh, Stefanski is not going to name a starting quarterback for the Browns. And so we get to guess whether it is going to be Joe Flacco or Dorian Thompson Robinson. He did say that DTR has cleared concussion protocol. So here we go. We at least know that uh, we won't know anything about the Browns. And oh, and by the way, we won't know anything about the Jags either, though it is expected that Trevor Lawrence is not going to play for the Jags. He was out there at least trying to hobble around in practice. So there is that going on as well. Adam, it's a guess. Your guess is as good as mine. I think Flacco gives the Browns a better chance to win. I think this Browns team is in the position to make the playoffs and running DTR out there is probably going against that. And maybe who, do, I mean, I don't know why you would, but Hey, I'm not an NFL coach,
1: but you play one on TV. So yes. now when we look at this game, we have so many questions. The weather was supposed to be a big deal. It's going to be a deal, not a big deal. There's going to be some wind and some rain. The total on this thing is plummeted down to 32 and a half. And I know that it's hard in the National Football League, for any of us to believe that a game could still play well under that, I still think this game plays well under that. I The Cleveland Browns defense is not good or great. It's otherworldly, and they're back home again where they have been so much better with the crowd noise on their side than every other defense in the world. On the other side of this game, I don't really understand what Doug Peterson's doing here. like. There's no game plan mystery to try to figure out if it's Trevor Lawrence or if it's C.J. Beathard, right? We don't trust either of them at this point. We don't trust Trevor Lawrence to be healthy enough to be Trevor Lawrence, and we don't trust C.J. Beathard at all. And by the way, he's hurt. So I don't think the Jaguars are live to score a whole lot in this game. That being said you're not getting me to bet into the Browns and whether I get Joe Flacco or Dorian Thompson-Robinson, which actually is a bit of a scheme difference. uh, So that is something for the Jaguars to have to prepare for. I don't think the Jaguars' defense is as bad as we saw last week. Just the same as I don't think the Jaguars' defense is as good as when over the first seven weeks of the year they were number two in EPA, and I got fooled by them in that game against the San Francisco 49ers. So I actually think under is still the look here. I 16 7 10 7 14 10 14 13 17 13 a bunch of scores that still get you under and I don't see how any of the quarterbacks in this game even a 70 60 percent Trevor Lawrence against this defense is going to change that
0: Stephen no uh, Christian Kirk he moves to IR and We know that Amari Cooper is still in concussion protocol, though it says, I guess, that it is within the realm of possibility for him to clear tomorrow, it says. But he is still in concussion protocol. So you have no, uh, likely no Amari Cooper as well in this thing. So it's just a, a game of a massive amount of unknowns. Like just so many things we have no idea about. I guess the only thing we do know is if Amari Cooper can't go Elijah Moore is going to get the vast majority of the, the targets in this game for the Browns.
2: What do, you, uh, what do you see here in this one, if anything? Yeah, Elijah Moore, 12 targets last week, even though he caught four, only caught four of them. So if it is Joe Flacco, I think he is going to look to Elijah Moore again if Cooper can't uh, pass the protocol. I, I agree with you that I think Flacco gives them the better chance, especially with the weather forecast improving. Uh, if it was going to be really windy and rainy, then maybe the mobile quarterback would have been helpful. But I think I think Flacco is a little bit more seasoned here. Um, I don't think DTR really moves the needle for me. For what it's worth, just looking at last week's results uh, on quarterbacks who had at least 20 plays, Flacco ranked 22nd out of 25 in EPOA, EPA and CPOE composite, which is Bad, but not as bad as what we've seen from like DTR and PJ Walker this year. So uh, it, this is a complete unknown on the sides for me. I'll just mention maybe like a couple reception over props with the Kirk injury. It might mean Evan Ingram gets fed more, especially especially with a ferocious pass rush, and they're going to have to get rid of the ball. Um, they've been featuring him a little bit more over the past couple of weeks, and especially when Kirk went down against Cincinnati. He's at eight and nine targets and again we mentioned the Elijah Moore potential here to to have even more receptions than what he put up cuz 4 out of 12 on the receptions is uh is pretty weak and i would expect him to catch more than 4 this week if Cooper's out. Yeah, it's
0: just a it's just a
2: weird game. Um i i just don't Matt, you know, let me ask you one last question. Yeah. If if Trevor if Trevor Lawrence somehow is going to get trotted out there with some like crazy you know robot brace on his leg yeah. and they're going to try and let him give it a go. That probably means this line's going to move even more and the Browns are going to be under a field goal. At that point, are you interested because yes, it's Trevor Lawrence, but also he's going to be a sitting duck back there against this pass rush.
0: Yeah, I mean I hate betting on the on these teams that have no offense, but like right. you know, it's it's just because I think it's within it. I, I honestly think it is like a non zero chance that the Jags could win this game outright, even with a statue Lawrence back there whatever, because they just can't, the Browns just can't score enough, right? I mean, I think that that's certainly within the, would you the tease range the Jags? of outcomes. The Jags, for me, then at that point, would at least be an interesting teaser leg. I mean, like, I mean, 32 and a half, a Browns defense that has been that has still continued to play at a pretty high level. This Jags defense, as Adam mentioned, I don't think they are as bad as we saw last week. By the way, a lot of air quote, good defenses got torched last week. So, I mean, it's just like, we're getting to the point in the season where maybe some of these guys get tired and like, we're not going to see the absolute a plus effort every each and every single week. But I mean, you know, the Niners got torched last week. The, 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 the Jags got torched last week. There were the Cowboys got torched. I mean, there's a lot, right? So anyway, just stuff to think about um, when it when it comes to 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 that as well. Just a weird ass game. I don't know. I'm probably just gonna sit sit that one out when it comes down to it. Uh, Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears. This is three, an expensive three. There are one, two, three expensive threes, and the rest are cheap three and a halves out there on the Lions on the road against the Bears. 43, 43 and a half is your. Total in this one, Adam. I said I'm going back to you two times in a row, so I'm going to let you kick this one off as well. We know that these are uh, this the bear team coming out of a uh, coming out of a decent little decent little stretch here, where they have looked at least somewhat competent.
1: I mean. On defense, they've looked competent. Yeah, then that makes a big difference in this particular matchup against Tiny Hands Goff out in the weather. Uh, the only way I want to get involved in this game is on the prop side of things. I think we've seen enough from the Detroit Lions to know that Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson understand that with Frank Ragnow out of this game, Joan Jackson beaten up and Jared Goff performing outdoors, generally the way Jared Goff performs outdoors in wet conditions, that this is not going to be a game where the Detroit Lions emphasize the passing game. I'm looking at rushing props throughout. I'm looking at yardage props throughout. I think that they're going to be too low because of what we've seen from the Chicago Bears on the defensive side of the ball. We've seen the Bears be one of the best defenses against the run in all of the league. However, I think Detroit is going to stick to that run this week against the Chicago Bears if you want to play side total I'd, I'd lean under the 43 just based on the fact that I don't think Chicago can move the ball a whole lot even against this horrendous Detroit defense I know we just saw it a couple of weeks ago where Chicago was able to put up 26 and ended up losing that game at the end much better conditions indoors in Detroit a different situation than you're going to have in this one
0: yeah, I am, uh, I'm on the other side of that. I have the overplayed in this one, over 42. I would still play it to the over 43. This it, Lions defense is just absolutely atrocious. I mean, last six games, they gave up 28 to the Saints, 29 to the Packers, 26 to the Bears, 38 to the Chargers, 38 to the Ravens. They only gave up – the only t- team that they've held under 26 points is the Raiders, who have cleared 21 points exactly one time this entire season, so I don't really tip my cap. To them for doing that since week eight, this uh, Lions defense 31st in success rate allowed. And so they are just allowing every single team to play in front of schedule. And so with that being said, I'm I'm actually pretty confident in the over in this one because I think the Lions can do their part. And I think the Bears aren't going to have to do a a ton to get this one uh, to get this one over there. I actually ended up playing the Bears plus four as well. Whenever this thing came out, I missed the four and a half did get in on the four. I just don't believe this Lions team is built to have any sort of win at margin at this point with the way that this secondary is playing. And I think even as bad as Justin Fields has been from an accurate standpoint over the the course of his career, I still think they'll be able to move the ball here and keep this thing within a field goal. So I am on the over. I'm on the Bears. Um, What
2: say you there, um, Stephen? I am on the over. I got it at 43. I'm on the Bears. I bet it Chicago plus four earlier in the week. I think three and a half is still good here. I, I agree. This defense is horrendous. They can't stop anybody. And on top of that, we have a matchup against Justin Fields, one of, if not the most mobile quarterbacks in the league. And the Lions defensive coordinator has been on record at the podium multiple times admitting that his defense struggles against mobile quarterbacks. And if you look at Fields' last three games against Chicago – over 100 rushing yards in all three of them, including 132 yards and 147 yards in the two meetings a year ago. Um, his prop is sitting at low 60s right now for rushing yards. His rushing attempts prop is at 10 and a half in those three games. He had 18, 10, and 13 rushing attempts. Oddly, he only has one rushing touchdown this year, but at 2-1, to one, I think that's a decent anytime touchdown play this week as well. But um, I think combine the defensive issues with Detroit, with the defensive improvement of Chicago, including Montez Sweat, one of the great pass rushers in the league, and Detroit's injuries on the offensive line, I, I can't see Detroit as constructed beating a lot of teams by margin right now. This is It's, it's a tough ask. And they're just, they're leaking oil all over on defense. I just, I can't back them as, as road favorites here to this degree.
0: Yeah. I, anything on the other side of a field goal I'm okay with. Once you get onto the three, becomes a little less attractive to me right. in this one. Um, and as far as the over goes for me, 43 is my cutoff here. We already talk about this a lot, like 43, 44 become kind of key-ish numbers, that little band of two numbers, you're getting about eight and a half percent of games land on 43 or 44, which is fairly significant from a total standpoint. So I think anything over 43 is where I'd start to pump the brakes on the over, but anything at 43 or better, uh I would still be looking in, in that direction. And and guys, listen, I don't play the narrative street stuff. And, and Adam, I actually have made fun of this a lot, but the bears are on the clock at this point and Justin Fields is playing for his job. I mean, like, there's no doubt about that. Right. I mean, like we are looking at a team that is now the, the Panthers are now two, two wins clear of the next closest team. They're, they're going to have the number one pick, which would then go to the bears. The, The bears are going to have a decision whether they move on from Justin Fields and draft Kayla Williams or not. and, you know, just a little bit of a factor here in Justin Fields, maybe not being quite as reckless with the ball, maybe not being quite as where, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't play that narrative stuff very often, but this is, uh, this is very real. He,
2: he certainly understands what's at stake here. I think the coaching staff too, right? Adam, the coaching staff isn't safe either in this situation. And I think that might've been why we had such a weird game plan against Minnesota. They were just trying to win the game and they were, terrified that fields was going to take sacks against the blitz so it's like they had a an automatic check to throw a screen every time it was the most hilarious offensive game plan I've ever seen
1: man says he's never done it and then does it twice in one show uh let's (laughs) talk about the, the uh the Chicago Bears situation overall here who's gonna be coaching this team next year right who's gonna be coaching the team who's gonna be playing quarterback there are a lot of questions that have to be answered about the Chicago franchise over the next few weeks. And to me, that actually makes them a really difficult team to to try to handicap and bet on. But, you know, I, I understand the logic that you guys have in terms of not wanting to get outside of a field goal with Detroit right now. To be fair,
0: even if you like Justin Fields, you still move on at this point. I mean, I, it's just... you. You yeah. get a guy
2: starting over on a rookie deal
0: like this. I know this had nothing to do with this game in particular, but like man, I think
2: just you and macro I are saying. Conversation. Yeah, I, I think just you and I are saying that fields and the coaching staff are highly motivated to do as well as possible the rest of the season. Like they are separate yeah. from the front office and they really need to show what they can do and play hard. Yeah. I,
1: listen, unless we're talking about. New England right now and they still managed to win a game last night everyone's highly motivated to be able to to do well I I understand what Matt's saying about Justin Fields maybe being less reckless and maybe thinking hey if I have less turnovers maybe they'll want to not get rid of me I think that decision is already made within the offices of the Chicago Bears and Ryan Poles you would
0: like to you'd like to think anyway I mean you'd like to think that that's going to be because again they just they they have to move on Tampa Bay Bucks and the Atlanta Falcons. This is one and a half all the way to two and a half, which is interesting uh, out there right now in favor of the Falcons at home against the Bucs. Forty and a half to forty one is your total. Steven, it's your turn this time to uh, lead us off here with this one. We've OK, got... so then I oh, I'm sorry. Chris... Uh, go ahead. Yeah. We got Chris Godwin's wife taken to social media saying they don't know how to use her husband properly. And he has to come and he has to come in and clean up the mess and all the stuff that's going on with that. And you got a Bucs team that we look, look, we said they're going to be as good as their health takes them. Their health turned against them. It, It took longer than I thought, but their health turned against them. They're missing four or five starters on the defensive side of the ball. And that's why they find themselves as dogs to a Falcons team that's not any good either. They're they're terrible too. But it's uh, it's a Falcons team that can almost take a stranglehold on the on the division with a win this week. What do you, what do you see in this one?
2: Did you say that the defenses are pretty banged up in this game? Like <laughs> yeah. both of them? Uh, that has me very interested in the over. I was already interested in the over before. We had so many bodies on both sides here defensively looking like they're either going to have to play really banged up or not play at all. First meeting between these two teams, only 29 points, but you have to look deeper than that. One for seven combined in the red zone, Atlanta specifically one for five in the red zone, which I think is maybe why Eli Hershkovich at our sister show uh, beat the closing number is betting Atlanta just to win this game. I think he got minus one and a half. So you can go listen to that if you want to hear his reasons why. I opted for the over because I think there's some potential red zone regression here. It wasn't just that Atlanta went one for five in the red zone, it's that both teams combined for four turnovers in the game in scoring position, including two for the Falcons at the one yard line. I mean, that is horrible scoring luck. Overall, 6.3 yards per play in the first meeting against a much healthier Tampa defense and Tampa's offense, 5.1 yards per play, about league average, pretty respectable. So this to me is kind of a similar cap of what I talked about with Indy Tennessee last week, which sailed over even if you take away the block punts. I I just think there's a lot of positive regression potential here in a game where we don't have to worry about weather indoors in a dome and a pretty low number here at 40 and a half. I'm not scared off about how Atlanta looked against a very good Jets defense last week.
0: Yeah, I would be on the regression train, Adam, if it wasn't Arthur Smith in, who's calling the plays, and he's a dope. So, like, that's my <laughs> only problem with all of that is, like, any – if there was the assumption of rational coaching, then sure, I could kind of get on with that. The problem is is Arthur Smith, like, thinks he's the smartest guy in the room at the most inopportune times, and it basically continues to 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 crush this team. B. John Robinson's reception props only at two and a half. I think like he's beginning to get used a whole lot more in, in the in the past game. I think that's at least somewhat interesting for me, but I don't have a firm grasp on how I would go about playing this. What say so you
1: talking about those Tampa defensive injuries? So we know that Jamel Dean is going to be out of this game. We know that Vitavea is a question mark at this point, and that is is the question mark i want the answer to because we know that arthur smith as you just mentioned and atlanta love to run the ball in inefficient ways and if any one player on the tampa bay defense will make the the decision as to whether or not you're able to run the ball it is for tampa so i already like tampa as a teaser leg out to eight and a half and wherever spot you can get it or eight I continue to believe that the Atlanta Falcons suck and suck hard. Uh, I continue to believe that they are not capable of beating anybody by multiple scores. And I still think that Baker Mayfield is an order of measure better than whoever you're going to play at quarterback, which is going to be Desmond Ritter. But Desmond Ritter is the biggest part of why the Falcons suck and suck hard and so I don't believe that that's going to change no matter who's in or who's out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like Tampa as a teaser. Like
0: it's going to be an interesting I cannot believe I, I mean, I, I can't believe the Falcons might host a playoff
2: game. I, I mean, it's just, it's
0: we got, like, to can we take
2: this. a moment and talk about that, that like we have a schedule of 17 games and only six of those are in division but we're automatically going to give a home playoff game to the four seed. Like, can we yeah. stop with this and just yeah. go with best record, regardless of division that yes, would actually make just, sense?
0: Yes. They need to just seed. However, yes. According to wins and losses, or like this is insanity. Like this is I the Falcons might host, I mean, this is, might host a playoff. It's game. not like, 30 years we, ago
2: doing? where eight of your 16 games were in the division. Like it's not our that philosophical many. podcast
1: runs on Mondays. Next game. <laughs> If, if anyone's wondering if
0: someone has anywhere to be, yes, we are. You we're, think? We're, we're, as we, as we, no as one we needs to hear
1: on. a rant about divisions. Divisions <laughs> right. are an antiquated Houston, concept. Next, Houston
0: Texans, New York Jets. The Texans are three and a half point road favorites over the Jets. Thirty-three and a half is your total. Just going back to Zach Wilson. In this one, the Texans, it was looking promising for Dalton Schultz, and now it says, uh, coming through the old Twitter machine here, that he is doubtful to go for the Texans. We know they lost Tank Dell last week as well. So this leads us to a very interesting handicap, Adam, because it comes down to, okay, Texans definitely better than the Jets, but down two of their major weapons that have been an integral part of their success all season long on the road against the Jets defense that, yeah, I guess you can run on them a little bit of late, but you still can't really pass on them here in all this on the other side of a field goal. It's a pretty interesting handicap.
1: Going to be rain, going to be wind, going to be the best defense that CJ Stroud has gone against this year. And that makes me want to vomit when I think of the fact that I like the Jets in this game plus the three and a half. And it's largely a numbers play in a game where the expected total is as low as this one is in a game where, believe it or not, we have actually seen what the difference is between Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon. And we're back to Zach Wilson, and it is by far the best available of the three. And so, yes, the Jets are beaten up. Yes, the Houston Texans have by far the better quarterback. I do not believe that the Houston Texans are going to be able to run this out against the Jets. I think the Jets defense shows in this game. If you don't necessarily buy the Jets to cover three and a half, if you think this game is a 14 to seven or something along those lines, then just play it under.
0: Yeah, it's... um, Stephen, like we 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 saw at least because Tank Dell was hurt very early in the game, so like we did see this Texans offense at least function well without Tank Dell and Schultz because Schultz didn't play last week either. But it certainly is different now for teams to prep for the Texans because now they don't have to prep for Tank Dell being in that offense, and they also don't have to prep for Dalton Schultz being in there as well too. I'm not saying we're definitely going to get a clunker out of the texans in this one but i guess if there ever were a spot in which a clunker wouldn't surprise me this would be kind of where i would be looking on that texan schedule
2: yeah but there's also a, um an outcome here where the texans offense has a clunker and still wins 13 to 3 for sure <laughs> you know? no 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 for sure absolutely
0: there is no it is no there is in my personal opinion i have zero my ranking, my power ratings don't change at all between Boyle, Simeon, Zach Wilson. If they go and bring Vinny Testaverde, back, it doesn't matter. Like it does. Like like it is. This team is what it is. It is a bottom two offense in the entire NFL, and that's just to me. It doesn't. It doesn't matter
2: who's out there. Zach
0: Wilson brings you a tiny bit of scrambling upside. Is basically all it comes down to for me.
2: Yeah, I, I understand the numbers play for Adam, and it makes sense. Just This is just my subjective opinion. I have zero interest in betting on Zach Wilson, even though it was clear that he is not as bad as Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle, I think we well-documented on this podcast, was one of, if not the worst quarterback in NFL history, at least in the modern era where we have statistics. Like He was the nut low but a friendly reminder that among all quarterbacks with at least 200 plays this year, Zach Wilson is dead last in EPA and CPOE composite and among quarterbacks with at least 100 plays. He's only ahead of Philip Walker and DTR on the Browns. So their best option doesn't. is still terrible. mean, it's good. Yes. It no, their best good. option
0: is still. Ter- yes. No, their best option is still terrible. Yes.
2: Yeah. So at the same time Tank Dell's a big deal not having him uh, I don't care as much about Dalton Schultz you know they seem fine without him but um I, it may be a spot where maybe the Jets get an early field goal or something and I can get that I can get the Texans under a field goal in the live market but with the weather and the rain and the randomness that presents I'm not interested in a side here but it's never the Jets for me that's just that's just my opinion at this point I, I hate betting on these teams that have quarterbacks that are not viable that have a good defense there's been too many instances over the past couple of years where these defenses just you know give up or fall flat when the offense just can't move the ball
0: yeah so the Jets only given up 56 yards per game to wide receiver ones and that changes a lot if you have a secondary or a third option right and it's like without Dell without Schultz if they go out and just really locked down on Nico Collins. Now you're asking a lot of Stroud when he's having to go to all these kind of like, you know, wide receiver fours and wide receiver fives that are having to like play pretend that they're twos and threes. And so that's the thing that just keeps me think it's a big spot here for the Texans. I don't know, man. Like I, I just can't quite get there. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call one 800 gambler in DC, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call one 800 next Step. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call one 800 4700 In Massachusetts, call 800 327 5050 In Iowa, call 800 800- bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers. This is 10 and a half, 11 in favor of the 49ers at home over the Seahawks. It is 46 and a half to 47 is the total. This got as high as 12 and a half. It was almost going to get to 13. They said that was too much, Steven. It gets bought all the way back down to 10 and a half. Now we're seeing 11s pop back up. So some more Niners money does start to trickle in to the uh, market here. Niners, number one in my power ratings, number one in your power ratings. It is a team that is, when healthy, I truly believe the best team in the NFL. Absolute truck. That being said, it's kind of a little bit different than in years past where the, the defense is not like inside this elite conversation with it. It's not a top five defense. It is a top 12 defense. It's a top 15 defense, but it's not like, oh, not only do they have what's going on on the offense, but they got this super elite defense. Like that's, that's not the case this year with them. And so the question is, I don't think we're asking whether we think the Seahawks are going to pull the outright upset. It's just, can they do enough to keep it within double digits?
2: Yeah, I've watched all of these Niners Seahawks games as a Niners fan in recent years, and I've yet to see Seattle be really competitive in one for a full game. I've seen them be competitive for a half, and then they get dump trucked. So uh, I'm just not going to be interested in Seattle here, despite how they looked in an island game on Thursday night against Dallas's defense. They need to show me that they can be competitive against the 49ers at some point, and I certainly understand that um, this would – constitute buying high on the Niners and and buying low on the Seahawks if you're interested in Seattle but I need to see it first with Seattle so I'm, I'm not interested in this game I would only be interested in the Niners live here if they get off to a slow start off of what was clearly the game that they cared about most on their regular season schedule last week um, so I'm, I'm going to stay away for now but yeah just too many too many examples in recent years that they just don't seem to match up well with the Niners.
0: Adam, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you do think that this spread is accurate and this game's going to play the way that it is, I'll just say Jackson Smith and Jigba's receiving yards is 42 and a half out there right now. And he is not necessarily the wide receiver two now, but he has definitely eaten into targets that Tyler Lockett was getting. And his his participation in this offense has been much more of late. And if we think they are trailing and just having to throw all the time, 42 and a half is pretty low, in my personal opinion, for for JSN. But again, that just depends on what you think the game script is and how you think this game is going to play out.
1: Yeah, you're thinking the same way I am, Matt. I don't want anything to do with side or total here. If Again, I like to talk about it on this podcast, just in case that's the way people want yeah. to play it. If I'm looking any particular way, I'm going to put the number on it at 47. If right now you see a San Francisco 49ers game with a total that is under 47, you have to at least do some research to say, do I believe the other team can score 14 points? Because the Niners are live for over 30 in just about every game they walk into this year. So that would be the lean for me if you were to make me play side or Total in this thing. However, I think the right way to go about this is to look at Geno's passing props. Uh, I think when you look at what the Seattle Seahawks are going to be forced to do in this game, it's all going to involve Geno Smith. I, I think if you want to get squirrely, and go and look at some alts and say, if you don't believe that the San Francisco 49ers passing uh, defense is going to be able to slow down Seattle, if you think that this game plays to some sort of shootout level, then you can go and get Geno Smith. First of all, just in case you're playing it right now, 239 and a half at DraftKings for Geno Smith. But you increase that by a mere total of 36 yards and you're up over plus 200. And I think there's well within the realm of possibility that the Seattle Seahawks, because they have a couple of explosive receivers, because they can throw the ball deep, and because they're probably going to be throwing the ball a lot, can get to that number. I think you can look at attempts, which are currently sitting 34 and a half, and you can look at completions, which are currently sitting 21. It seems to me that Seattle is going to be in a spot where despite The fact that Pete Garrow wants to run the football. He's got two banged up running backs in, in Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet, and he's going to have to be throwing the ball behind against San Francisco.
0: Yeah, I, the pass attempts is, is really intriguing to me. I just did my quick little like napkin math projections. And so I would come out closer to 39 considering how I have the game script going and, and how this, to me seems like the game state is going to go. So I think there's a decent little edge on 34 and a half. So I certainly would be looking towards the over on that as we look for reference in a shootout last week in which they were having to kind of go score for score. And we think, Hey, look, they're going to try to have to score to keep in this game with the 49ers. He threw 41 times against the Cowboys last week. So uh, I like the over 34 and a half for sure in that one. Um, something, something they were able something he was able to accomplish despite the time of possession being outweighed 36 minutes to 23 minutes uh, for the Cowboys as opposed to the Seahawks. So something that's again prop for me in this one, Geno pass attempts, JSN overs, stuff like that for me. Minnesota Vikings and the Las Vegas Raiders, 40, 40 and a half is your total. The Vikings are favored by three on the road here in this one. Steven, I'm going to steal everyone's thunder here. I put it in the account. I put the Vikings in at two and a half. I assumed it was going to be Dobbs. I was right. It is Dobbs. I didn't get why they would go away from Dobbs. So that didn't make a ton of sense to me anyway. So Dobbs plays one bad game and now we're benching him. I don't think that's the case. I understand there were turnover worthy plays, but there were also plays that were being made by Dobbs. And so the one kind of outlier four pick game, I didn't think was going to get him uh, benched and further He hasn't had a chance to play with the best receiver in the NFL yet, which is making his return in this game against the Raiders. There's no home field advantage at all for the Raiders. So I didn't even factor that in, in the least bit. So I thought under a field goal was not enough. And so even though we're at three right now, it's a cheap three. So you could either buy off the three at a reduced rate or play a cheap three. I would still do it with the Vikings in this. The Vikings defense actually has really outperformed anything and everything we thought of them heading into this season. What do you see here? Vikings Raiders.
2: You are going up against our fearless director, Brett Colson, who bet Raiders plus three this week. And I think the argument here, he can push
0: and I can win. So fine. That's fine. That's fine. He can push. I'll win. It's fine. (laughs) There we go.
2: What is Justin Jefferson worth to the spread for you? Because that is where this comes down to for me. If you look at the market consensus ratings from a couple of weeks ago, um, when Justin Jefferson wasn't on the field, this is pretty close to a to a pickem um, in it for a game in Las Vegas, and this number, if it's at three, is giving two to three points for Justin Jefferson, if my math is correct. So, is is that accurate? Do you think that Justin Jefferson being back? and a Josh Dobbs offense should ever be three on the road here against Las Vegas. That's, that's the question I have. And I don't know, I have a good answer to it.
0: Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, in my personal thing, I have Justin Jefferson as the highest rated wide receiver to a point spread outside of Tyreek Hill. So I have him at like 1.7 points to a point spread. Um, That might be a little high because that was probably based on cousins as well. And he's, he still has to get the ball thrown to him, I guess, but until I see that Dobbs can't get him the ball, I can't really downgrade that. You know, it's, it's far easier to get the ball to a guy who gets open all the time. So uh, there's that for me. Um, so I, I have him pretty high. So I have him worth uh, 1.7 points.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll kick it to you, Adam. I don't have a strong opinion on this game, but that, that was the big question I wanted to ask you guys. You will never, in the remaining history of football
1: handicapping get a better price on Justin Jefferson's props than you will this week where people for some reason appear to have some level of doubt as to either Minnesota's ability to get him the ball or whether or not he's healthy guys he's healthy he could have played two weeks ago they decided to hold him out more as a precaution than they did because he wasn't ready to go because they were going to get the extra time to get him ready 65 and a half is the yardage prop on Justin Jefferson this week guys the last three games before he was injured, 149, 159, 150. In a game in which he only had six catches in week two, he had 80-plus yards. I guess this Raiders defense is not good. They do not have a single cornerback who's going to be able to stay anywhere near Justin Jefferson. Over 100 yards is plus 320. I'm not sure there's a prop I like more this week because... Josh Dobbs is going to force feed the ball to Justin Jefferson. He is going to be so happy to have the best weapon in this offense back, and the Raiders aren't going to be able to do a whole lot about it. Max Crosby is their biggest edge. We know this. Well, Minnesota has the best neutralizer in the league and that this is the best offensive line in the league, at least in terms of who's on the field right now and healthy and ready to play for them. So I think they're going to be able to protect Josh Dobbs. I think they're going to be able to... Get Justin Jefferson the ball consistently. If you want to play it more conservatively over 65, I think you're looking at one of the single best props of the season. I think if you want to get aggressive and look at over 100 yards, you're getting a plus 320 price on a guy who did it with ease in his last three games.
2: I
0: I also think this too, like on top of that, Adam, like they just because Jefferson is back does not, automatically mean that jordan addison now is going to take this like massive backseat and get no action whatsoever 33 and a half receiving yards for jordan addison the the over three and a half receptions for him is you're getting plus 120 on four catches for jordan addison so it's like it's like you said it's like there's doubt on jefferson and then because Jefferson is back, like we're plummeting Addison now to like wide receiver three numbers in an offense that if anything, getting Jefferson back should should help him get get open easier because like he's not going to be getting the number one receiver treatment. I think this is a pretty big overreaction. As you mentioned, like I don't think we see numbers even close to this over the rest of the season. I think either one I'm perfectly fine with. I It would shock me actually if both of them don't go over these numbers. Like it would, if, if we are sitting here talking and Addison doesn't have 35 receiving yards in this game and Jefferson doesn't have 68 receiving yards in this game, I would be floored. Like I would absolutely be floored. So that's a, uh, that's a, that's a decent alternate angle to look at this as well. And if you don't want to play the Vikings, look at, it, look at it this way. It's like a dual, it's like a dual bet, right? If the Vikings have success and beat this Raiders team by more than a field goal, it's likely because they are, he's connecting with Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison. If they get down somehow to this Raiders team, then he's just throwing the ball all over the place to Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and likely softer coverage because the Raiders are not playing as, as tight on them and all this. So it's almost like a two-way bet that you get in this one. So yes, love that. Love you pointing that out. And again, I'm, I'm, already, on, uh, I'm already on the Minnesota side here. Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. What a treat we get in this one. Point and a half in favor of the Chiefs. 48 and a half to 49 is your total. Adam, I'll kick it to you here. We see uh, the Bills team coming out of a bye. And so this is, you know, listen, at least somewhat interesting. They get a week to late in the season, try to assess what was going on on the defensive side of the ball. Is there any changes that need to be made? We know the offense was still functioning at a pretty high level.
1: This is where we start to see the net rest edge that's so bad for Kansas City this year start to really play out, where Buffalo has had a chance. As you mentioned, they come off the bye, and not only did they start to look good offensively in that Philadelphia game in particular, but they've got a little time finally to start to adjust to some of the defensive injuries that they've had. And maybe, fingers crossed on this one, Maybe they are able to figure something out defensively against the Kansas City Chiefs, which is not the same as it's been in past years. Look, I'm not mm-hmm. selling Kansas City to the level that I've heard some people sell Kansas City. Some of the games the Chiefs have lost this year have been on absolutely fluky type things. That being said, I think Buffalo as a teaser like here is your safest option. And I know you're going to hear a lot of smart people, I bet you on this podcast, talk about having already taken Buffalo plus three or still taking Buffalo on the money line. And all of those things are absolutely fine for me. I've seen Josh Allen be Josh Allen too many times this year for me to trust Buffalo in that kind of situation. I just don't trust that he's not going to go out there and have another one of these two or three interception games that screws up my handicap. But that being said, I also don't trust that the Chiefs can turn all of those into a ton of points. And so for me, Buffalo at up to seven and a half is where I like this as a teaser leg that I'm pairing up with Tampa from earlier and uh, one other game this week. So
0: you're right. I played the Bills on the money line plus 120. I missed the two and a half. And so once I missed the two and a half, I'm just going to go ahead and play it on the money line at that point. So the Chiefs offense, Stephen, we've talked about it. Like, I've I've been very vocal uh, about how this offense has gone in these gigantic spurts where they just don't produce, and it has started to catch up with them. And then further, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. Drew Tranquil, Pacheco, Smith, Cook, all these guys that are hurt that we're going to have to see whether they're going to be able to play or not or what their status is going to be. And then the other thing about this is the Chiefs were getting by with this offense sputtering because of the defense playing at such a high level. Over the last month, the Chiefs' defense is 25th in EPA per play allowed. They are 23rd in dropback EPA allowed. PFF has them 22nd in coverage grade. This defense that we were saying, hey, look how amazing this defense is. That's how they're winning these games has started to slip specifically through the air with these teams, which, as we know, is the much more efficient way to move the ball anyway. So I don't think that's great. And to uh, a little bit of a counter to to Adam's point on the Josh Allen thing. He's still second in the NFL in total EPA. He's fourth in the NFL in CPOE. He is the second overall graded quarterback according to Pro Football Focus on the season. And as much as we talk about him being careless, and it seems like he's just more careless in inopportune times, but we bring up turnover-worthy plays all the time on this, on this show. He's tied for 16th in the NFL in turnover-worthy plays. He's behind... Tua, Mahomes, Purdy, Stroud, Herbert, all these other guys that have more turnover-worthy plays than Allen does over the course of the season. So I get it. They're kind of inopportune sometimes, but like, I think we think he's putting the ball in harm's way a little bit more than is what actually is happening in in, in all actuality.
1: Yeah, yeah, Adam? Yeah, see, Steven, I just want to give... I want to push back directly on that in the moment. I wasn't saying that's why I don't want to bet Josh Allen. I'm saying that's why I'm betting Buffalo the way that I'm betting Buffalo, is to mm-hmm. say I like the teaser and the idea of hey, this could get a little funky here because of the potential for turnovers because 16th isn't 32nd. It's 16th. It's still just more variance that I don't want to be on Buffalo in terms of having to play them at less than a field goal. So I just don't want to get back to get lost in the way that I was talking about it.
0: Yeah, I... um you know, for me, I've been lower on this chief teams than everybody has all, all, all season long. You guys know it's just it's it, so there might be a little bit of a bias in this for me. But that being said, I was not high on the bills either. So the fact that I am coming in on the bills on the money line just lets you know kind of how I think that this could play out. Given bills coming off of a buy, given the injury situations for the chiefs and given the fact that we've seen this Chiefs defense start to give it up through the air a little bit more here. And we know that the bills can still move the ball. Uh, Steven, the court is yours. My friend.
2: Yeah. I think we have seen over and over again, that elite defense with a sputtering offense isn't sustainable in this league with the way the rules are, if you're going to play quality opponents. And I think we've seen a little bit of that with Kansas city in recent weeks where the the defense has a bad game and they can't survive. So um, I think, probably it sounds like we all agree that the best unit on the field in this game is the Buffalo offense, at least from what they've put on the field so far this year. And the, the advanced stats back that up as of right now, this would be the first season in the Patrick Mahomes era where Kansas city does not finish top five in either EPA or success rate. And across the board, the Buffalo offense has been better by these advanced stacks, advanced stats than Kansas city has been. So, Um, I landed on the teaser leg the the way that Adam did for the same reasons that he mentioned, at least a couple of concerns that he had, but wouldn't argue with you on the price here, Matt, but I'll just say like, this is the most fascinating spread of the week by far, because what is home field advantage at Arrowhead worth? Because we all understand and have been told that it's one of, if not the best home field advantages in the NFL. So if we're giving them two points two 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 and a half points for home field advantage, this current spread and the professional money in the market is telling us that the rest advantage is worth more than the spread saying that the, the chiefs are actually not as good as the bills on a neutral field. Because if you strip out home field, this spread is screaming that the bills are actually the better team on a neutral field. But I agree with you that the rest advantage and a couple injuries here are playing a huge part in why this number is what it is. Adam, this is actually,
0: I think, a good time for us as we get into the home stretch here, just real quick. Like, so now that we've got a body of work, we've looked at all this stuff, where are you with home field advantage right now as far as your, your handicapping goes? Because I can tell you from my personal experience, like I never go more than a point and a half and I only go a point and a half to a place like Kansas city, Philly, uh, the superdome at night, like not a morning game or whatever, but like, like certain things like that, but like Raiders, none LA, none like whatever. So a lot of these teams don't have any, I gave, I gave absolutely zero Miami, none like So where are you from your handicapping from a home field advantage standpoint?
1: Before I get to the point on that, I missed and just saw the fact that Seattle has made a QB signing to its practice squad. Geno Smith, Uh, limited with a groin injury so definitely take that into consideration with what we just talked about with the Seattle props Uh, if Gino is limited with a groin injury he's already limited under pressure and that would take me directly off uh, anything related to Gino
0: (laughs) and as you say that as a good thing we're talking about this game it is official Uh, Pacheco is out so get your Clyde Edward Hilaire in your lineups if you're playing fantasy go Go get you you go go get you some CEH yeah
1: Yeah. So in terms of Hopefield's uh, advantages, the one you didn't mention for me, that's a one and a half is Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota Mm -hmm. is demonstrably better at home. And overall, I actually do tend to default to one just because I don't want to react too much to individual seasons. And I try to go back to the fact that for so many years we made it three, which was clearly too much. Uh, But one and a half is the top number for me. I default to one unless there's a reason to come off one. And even for Vegas, uh, with the fact that it's almost all opposing fans in that stadium, maybe you consider it in that spot because now you don't have any sort of long-term feel for what a home field advantage is in Vegas in a stadium that they've played with fans in only three years now.
2: Adam, would you agree that there are at least some there's at least some influential money in the market that is giving more for home field than, than we are. Cause I'm more in line with you guys, but like I've, I've gotten pushback on that. I've even had somebody who I respect in recent weeks, tell me like Philadelphia should still get two and a half for home field. I mean,
1: I think if we're going to start to try to get into the idea of what respected money thinks the, the, The spreadsheets and algorithms and access to insider information and things that they have is so far beyond anything that we're going to be able to talk about on this podcast that I'm not going to get to thinking too much about it. But if you have someone that you respect who believes that a particular home field is worth two, two and a half, sure, I don't agree. But I understand the the fact that there are a lot of people smarter at this than I am. And if they see it, then I respect it.
0: Yeah, I guess for me, and we'll we'll move on. But for me, the if if we used to think two and a half, three, back in the day, where like all of the things that went into that still only got us to two and a half and three, and then now all like so much of that is stripped away. They're not traveling by bus. They're not traveling even by. Everything's private. They're on like the travel schedules are like literally broken down to a fine art they're traveling with chefs they're doing all like all these things that used to factor into a road game being so much tougher is now like just not into effect it really only comes down to like crowd noise really at this point and so for me it's just kind of like you know point and a half i'll give you point and a half but outside of that it seems like we're, we're really trying to like bake in just how much that
2: that affects even if it's a to- point and a half Still makes this spread very but, fascinating for this week and this week only. I'm
0: glad we're on this game. By the way, guys, all four of those guys that I mentioned are are out for the Chiefs. So yeah, here P- we go. Pacheco is out. Their left tackle, Donovan Smith is out. Drew Tranquil, who is by proxy, their green dot linebacker is out, and then Brian Cook safety is out. So it is uh not a great injury report there for the Kansas City Chiefs either in this one. All right, Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Chargers, two and a half to three in favor of the Chargers at home over the Broncos, 43 and a half to 44 is your total. Adam, um, real quick on this one. I have almost no no interest in this game whatsoever. I think the range of outcomes is almost infinite. I, I, I mean, it just, these games, so I always, I have my, you know, put this game on a rocket and shoot it into the sun and fight and blow it. up. This was the first game for me. I took it, scratched it off wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. So hopefully you guys can share some insight as to what you guys think here in this thing. I mean, I'm sure there's a case to be made for the Broncos on a teaser leg because the chargers just can't win anything at margin, but that's about the only thing I could really come up here with. What say you?
1: That's exactly what I have is Denver on the teaser leg. And that is even with me. Having been right last week in saying, I thought that Denver was too fraudulent to go on the road and win in Houston. Russ turned the ball over three times. Now they did have a chance to score at the end of the game, but you know what they didn't do? They didn't score at the end of the game. And so they lost and they didn't cover. And the under that I thought was probably the right side got there as well. So this week, do I still think Denver is fraudulent? Yup. Do I think the Los Angeles Chargers are a dumpster fire? Absolutely. There's no chance in hell at this point that the money in my pocket will ever be on the Los Angeles Chargers laying points against a reasonable team. I don't trust them in any facet of the game. Maybe Keenan Allen truly is healthy, right? Maybe he's better now. I don't think he's going to be full speed, and he sure as hell didn't look at last time out. So... Denver might not be what everyone thought they were going to be, but they are sure as hell not eight and a half points worse than the Los Angeles Chargers.
0: What say you, uh, there, Stephen?
2: Yeah, I I agree. I'm I'm betting the teaser leg too. In fact, I was just looking down to get that in with the Bills teaser as the other side here because I'm not sure that's going to last much longer with these Chiefs injuries. I'm not sure Bills are going to be in the teaser zone, but there's a couple other games that would be good fits here for Denver up to eight and a half. Um, just keep an eye out to see if the chargers activate Josh Palmer off IR for this game. He actually did matter for this offense to give them a secondary option. Other than Keenan Allen, we saw what happened last week when a defense has the ability to just strip away Keenan Allen, what's left for the chargers offense. So um, even if he plays, it doesn't scare me away from the Denver teaser leg, but whether he plays or not is the reason I haven't pulled the trigger yet on the under, I, I don't see how either of these offenses are all that impressive. I gave Russell Wilson one chance last week to actually show it, and he <laughs> he rewarded me with three terrible interceptions. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that, and I think 44 is pretty high. I was pretty surprised to see this total at 44 with what we know about the Chargers offense this point at this point. So I'm just keeping an eye to see whether they activate Josh Palmer or not. If they don't, then I will be betting under 44 in this. Sunday night football features the
0: Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys. As of this recording, we are sitting three and a half in favor of the Cowboys, though it is a cheap three and a half, 51 and a half to 52 is your total. Stephen. we've seen version one of this game. We know it could have gone either way. It was a very tightly contested game. And here we have the Cowboys coming home. That being said, other side of a field goal seems like a tall task. What say you?
2: It's, it would certainly be a buy low spot for the Eagles numerically here, but I'm a little gun shy because at least in terms of the matchup and the rest advantages with that Dallas has here, an, an, the latest in a long list of tough games for the Eagles here in a row Plus another rest advantage for their opponent with the Cowboys having played on Thursday, the week before the Eagles defense against the pass has been miserable. They are outside the top 20 in advanced metrics and Dak has been on fire. So I think Dallas Goddard coming back for the Eagles is a big deal. So you don't have to throw to the shell of Julio Jones and Zacchaeus as much as they have been anymore. if, If Goddard is back, I don't have a strong opinion just if you're coming in without any other interest in in betting this game. What I will tell you is that I am holding a Dak MVP ticket at 40 to one. And because of that, I did bet Eagles plus three and a half because it, it basically becomes a middle for me in some ways. If the Eagles win, then I think that's a big dent into Dak Prescott's candidacy. If the Eagles lose, but lose by a field goal, I cash that bet. And my DAC 40 to 1 ticket is still very much alive. And if I lose if the Cowboys win by more than three, then I don't care that I lost my side bet on Eagles plus three and a half because I have this fat 40 to 1 ticket that probably is looking even better because they will have beaten the Eagles by more than three. And the other note I'll mention is like in recent weeks I've said that. I think Dak probably has to win the division to win MVP. I'm not sure I believe that anymore because I said that based on recent results and what we've seen from MVPs. But when Peter King comes out and says that he doesn't need the Cowboys to win the division for him to vote on Dak to win MVP, that makes me pay attention and makes me think that there are maybe some more avenues for this ticket to get home um, in, in future weeks here. I haven't done anything with Purdy. I'm waiting on that. I still think he has to be the one seed, and if it winds up him versus Dak, I still am skeptical that people are going to pick Purdy over Dak if he's putting up the numbers that he is with the Cowboys. And the last thing I'll note is that there's still a situation here where the Cowboys take a couple more losses with how tough their schedule is. If the Eagles lose, then Hurts' candidacy gets worse. Purdy, I'm not sure, is the, is the universal MVP candidate for his team with the media. There's still been some Christian McCaffrey love. So I don't think that Tyree Kill is completely dead to win this award. So that is the one small hedge I put, you know, um, just doing round numbers here. Like, let's say you have the potential to win $1,000 on Dak Prescott to win MVP. I don't really have an issue with taking 50 of that and putting it on Tyree kill at 16 to one this week. So that that's how I looked at the MVP situation with Dak. And I bet Eagles plus three and a half because I have the Dak ticket in my pocket. Adam, we do. It does look like Goddard's
0: going to be back. He's been practicing in full. um, So I, you know, again, these guys are superhuman. He gets a rod in his arm. Two weeks later, he's playing football again, whatever. Uh, I don't, whatever. I don't get how they do it. It's just, it is what it is, but I guess it's of, it's worth noting uh, the Cowboys are 23rd in the NFL versus tight ends. We know that Goddard, when healthy, and again, this wasn't a lower body injury, so running routes and whatever you would think should be the same. It was an arm injury. Um, when, when healthy, Goddard, certainly one of the better tight ends in all the NFL.
1: So the handicap for me this week is two things. First of all, I made the mistake last week of ignoring some loud noise in the market about the san francisco 49ers and where the philadelphia eagles were and what that matchup looked like and i was leaned toward the philadelphia side and now i'm not going to ignore that noise this week however you're also not going to get me to say that the dallas cowboys are three and a half full points better than the philadelphia eagles what i think your handicap needs to be on this is if you believe that Philadelphia is still live, right? If you don't think that Philadelphia has hit some sort of lull that it's not going to be able to pull itself out of, I think you go ahead and play Philadelphia either on the money line or you go ahead and play Philadelphia out to minus two and a half, which is plus 176. Money line drafting is plus 150. And Matt has given you a version of this handicap earlier this year when it comes to Miami against Kansas City. And you're going to say either it works or it doesn't, right? And You have to believe with Philadelphia, either it works or it doesn't because they can't chase. That's the one thing we know about the way this Eagles offense is set up is that if you get them down by a couple of scores, they are not a team that is just going to rise up from the dead without the help of Josh Allen throwing the ball directly to James Bradbury like they had with that game against Buffalo a couple of weeks ago. So I don't have a strong feeling on this game I would, if I were going to play it, play a Philadelphia alt just based on the value and the fact that I've had this team power rated better than Dallas for most of the year.
0: Yeah, so I'm. Uh, I took so these you know I do a show. Lines are opening as I'm on air. It opened at three, and I was like, man, if if three and a half hits, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the Eagles. I was actually hoping that the recency bias from that 49ers game was going to creep in here. You guys know my opinion on the game last week. I'm a huge Eagles guy, and I said they they were not going to win that game. I was very, very adamant that the 49ers were going to win that game and win that game handily, given all the things that we knew heading into that one. I think this is a massive overreaction to move this all the way to the other side of a field goal. If you look at this Dallas defense, where I'm wondering if we are – they're not bad. I'm not – this is not what I'm saying. I'm saying I wonder if we have overvalued this defense, because if you go and you look, and, like, any team with a pulse – has been able to put up points against this defense, right? I mean, it's just like the 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 teams that are dead are the teams that can't score. The Giants, the Jets, the Patriots, the the Giants again, the Panthers, the Commanders, like all these teams that like didn't score and have all these, but who did score? The Seahawks scored, the Eagles scored when they played the Eagles, the Rams scored, the 49ers thumped them with 42 points. Like, I I'm just not willing to buy in that this Eagles team can't, score points against his Cowboys defense. And if that's the case, the other side of a field goal to me is an overreaction to a very horrible place in the schedule for the Eagles last week in which the outcome, in my opinion, was not obvious, but certainly certainly something I saw coming. And so I don't get it, guys. Eagles offense is still good. Yeah, the defense has some stuff to be to be worked out. But again, I think so does Dallas's. I I, I truly believe that. I think so does Dallas's. So other side of a field goal to me too much in this one, I played the three and a half. I feel comfortable with the three and a half. I still have the Eagles power rated second. And if that's the case, then I have to take three and a half in this. Like I I have to take the other side of a field goal.
1: Yeah. And I actually, I'm right there with you that I still have Philadelphia power rated second. I mean, my rating on this game is basically a pick when you factor in a home field. Mm -hmm. And so that, to me, is where I landed where I did. I want to go back to the, um, I, I guess it's kind of the audio version of that Sonny in Philadelphia meme where the guy's going crazy and you've got all the conspiracy lines pointing all over the chart with what Steven was talking about with MVP uh, a, a few minutes ago I, I, because there was a lot in there. The one thing I would say is, I, first of all, I was wrong. Uh, I need to say that from the start. I need. I was wrong about Dak's MVP candidacy not being alive anymore. That being said, I definitely want in on Purdy sooner than later, and I wanted it in last week on Purdy at 13 when he was still sitting there for MVP at 13 if I'm holding Dak at some sort of larger number because if you think Philadelphia falls off a cliff here, then you think San Francisco is probably going to end up with the number one seed. Their, their schedule coming in is a lot better than Dallas's is is, and I think the noise is going to get really really loud for Brock Purdy to have a serious MVP candidacy if the 49ers end up looking the way they've looked over the last few weeks for the rest of the season and so do I think he's necessarily going to win I don't know but at the prices it still is right now it shouldn't be for Brock Purdy guys let's end it on this because we
0: didn't touch on this but it's like it's the biggest total we've seen in quite a while right 52 points and this one, Adam, you know, look, 27, 24, 31, 20, like all these are all fifty ones, right? We're sitting at 52. I'm not saying it can't get to 53. It's just, it's a, it's a lot of points. It's a lot of points in today's NFL. And I do wonder if the Eagles are able to get up in this game, if they don't just try to take the air out of the ball and run, 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 run. I think if I had to play it, I'd play the under, but I see a, I can also see a path for the over as well. What what do you see from a, a 52 total?
1: So, Matt, I actually kind of anticipated this question coming from you on the pod at some point. And so I went back over my last month of totals and realized that uh, over the last month, back to week nine, I have lost a grand total of one under bet. One. And mm-hmm. I still could not find a way to get in front of the train that is moving out toward 52 right now. Now, because of the fact that 51 is that key number, I might still eventually end up on under. I'm going to say, if you like under, however, wait, it's a Sunday night game. It's an Island game with, with two very public teams. You're not going to have under steam throughout the day. Unless something comes in early on Sunday, unless limits go up and someone comes in hard early on it on Sunday, this isn't
2: going down. Steven, any thoughts on the total real quick? Adam, can you just clarify you got in front of the train to to bet the over? No, no, no. I'm saying I can't like all I
1: have done for the last three weeks is poke and prod every high total for a way to bet under. Yeah. This was the one that I couldn't quite get there yet, right? Because of the way these offenses are playing and because of what we saw out of Dallas' defense last week, I just cannot get there quite yet on playing that under, although at 52, you're sure as hell not finding me on the over.
2: Yeah, I I think it would have to be a live over for me just with what we've seen. And, you know, the Eagles can run the ball in this game, at least on paper. And that should should shorten the game a little bit. So um, Eagles weren't great in the red zone last week against the 49ers. Cowboys are supercharged on offense. I don't know what this Mike McCarthy appendectomy means for this game. Um, if anything, that's another curveball that we haven't touched on. So uh, I, I'm just going to kind of stay away from the over here because I have, I have too many interests with the MVP stuff going on.
1: You know what it means, Stephen? It means the most painful thing involving Mike McCarthy this week will not be his decision-making.
0: Hey, you got that here for free, just like every single thing we do on this channel. So go ahead, hit that subscribe button down below. Again, everything at the lines.com is absolutely free. Also, 40,000 of you plus over 40,000 of you have subscribed to this channel. So we are trying to get to 50,000 by the Super Bowl. If you're able to do that we will do a massive giveaway here on this channel and only people that are subscribed will be eligible to win that giveaway. So you should go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It is for free head over to lines.com upper right-hand corner is also the discord where we are chatting everything, all the sports all day long. So go in, get some insight over there. Hey, maybe you'll make a new friend as we're somewhere along the way for Adam for Stephen, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your bets here in week 14.